Okay, I guess we won't go to the fair after all. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. It's good to be with you on this sunny Friday afternoon. Coming to you live from the Democracy Den. It's me and my co-host, Dr. Scott Melson. Hello, sir. What is up, my dude? You know, Scott, we should start filming these at some point and putting these on on the YouTubes. This this uh, this uh, this is this is the best setup we've had. This oh, been, by far. This is yes. is this five years we've been doing the show now. Uh, this is year five, I believe. We started in twenty seventeen. No, yeah. year six. I mean, this this is the best setup we've had. We got uh, we're like a studio. The ambiance is great. Uh, there's uh, there there may or may not be a whiskey cabinet. Um, this is. This, this, I feel like I'm in the democracy den. Well, good. Yes, we're in the, the – this is the den where democracy happens. Yes. <laughs> well, listeners, thank you for joining us here in the democracy den. And uh, we've got a big week. Scott, you missed out last week. Micah and I held down the fort. I think we did a pretty decent job. Um, I have no doubt it was exceptional. But you are in luck because it is a busy week in Oklahoma politics and government. Um, I mean, we're you know in the middle of session, so it's always busy – but this was also an election week. The AG, again, was in the headlines um, for stuff that's been going on for years. I think there's a lot a lot happening. Dude, uh, AG Drummond is, like, trying to, like... Run put, for governor? Put, put the <laughs> 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 it's like he's... I feel like he's trying... He's putting, like, he's put, like, the world on his back, just, like... Uh, Issuing uh, issuing uh, opinions and uh, and, well, like, and all, all kind of stuff. He put out a non-binding opinion like two weeks ago. This week, the same thing, but binding, right? So he yeah. issued that opinion. This is in our notes, but let's talk about it. Where he formally now has said that the state board of education adopted rules Ill- illegally. I don't know if that's if it's quite illegal, but without authorization. Yeah, it's a it's against the rules. Yeah, um, right. The episode of Friends was like, well, it's not against the rules, but it is frowned upon. Right, <laughs> um, right. right. Um, yeah, so so the AG came out and said that the State Board of Education is not allowed to promulgate rules uh, about like materials in schools and accreditation without expressly being authorized to do so by the legislature. And I, I don't know enough about this process, and I should. I'm going to learn. But, I mean, most state agencies, right, promulgate administrative rules that are then approved by the legislature here in a few weeks, usually towards the end of session. Right. But isn't that what the state board did? I guess they they promulgated rules and, in theory, want those rules enforced immediately. <coughs> yeah, I, I think that's right. And there's there's a couple of statutes that, that the AG – it's interesting because the AG cites these statutes in his opinion saying this is why this this, this, this means you can't do this. And then uh, 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 Superintendent Walters and the board and their response cited those same two statutes and said, like, no, no, these statutes are why we can do this. Mm. And it's like, right, but the thing is, um, if if you know, I I I know uh, I know uh, Superintendent Walters was a was a teacher. I don't think he must have been a government teacher though, because. Um, he doesn't get to decide what the statutes mean. That's why we have an attorney general right. and the courts. And so he's like, this means this. And it's like, no, they don't mean that literally because he said so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. He like, is the, the you, he is the uh, official who he and right. the judicial branch, right. Yeah, who yeah. Adjudicates what means what. Yeah. Yeah. See, he's like, unfortunately I disagree with the attorney general. And it's like, I'm sure you do, but, but that doesn't matter. 
<laughs> right. right. Like you're if any more than it does. If you and I say it doesn't mean that. Right. 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 Um, and so what has now happened is that, uh, is that, uh, governor Stitt and superintendent Walters have asked the legislature to, uh, swiftly and expeditiously, um, approve these rules. Thus far, the legislature has not, uh, indicated that they will be taking these rules up. Um, because I think among many reasons, the relevant committee, I think, um, it can either go through the rules committee or it can go through uh, the education committee. Um, Secretary Walters has not done well in Senator McBride's committee. Oh, that's true. Well, so a couple of things that are important here. One is that next Thursday, the 13th, is the committee deadline in the opposite chamber. So I don't know where they are in the process, but – and I don't know if these rules have – I don't know what, what, you know, there's different timetables for different kinds of bills up there. Um, but it, maybe next week is uh, do or die time. Furthermore, another story this week is that Secretary or that Superintendent Walters, who listeners might remember, is also serving in another state capacity with an additional state paycheck as the Secretary of Education, which is a cabinet position appointed by the governor that is subject to Senate approval and he has not yet been approved for his new term. And there is some um, conversation about whether or not the Senate is going to approve Secretary Walters to continue. What happens if they don't? The governor just appoints somebody else? Well, I mean, so they no. don't approve him. Then does he like, can he like, if he doesn't approve, is he out of it? And then can the governor just appoint him again when he they are could. not in session? Yeah, I'm, and then he would just up, he would just serve continuously until they reconvene in February. Yeah, I think that's the case because yeah. I think this happened before. Um, what a mess! This is no way to run a government. So anyway, I think. Do you uh, think this is how you run a business? <laughs> I mean, if your if your business has been investigated by the uh, Department of Justice, then that's perhaps the case. Sad trombone. Well, yeah. There's a. I've got one of those here somewhere. Oh, where is it? Where? Oh, there it is. Oh, I turned it down. Son of a gun. <laughs> that, I'm going to play that for me, for my um, poor response on our <laughs> soundboard here. Um, thank you for count, for reminding me of our, of our sounds. Um, yeah, so we'll see what uh, what the governor does about this or what the Senate does first. I do think that um, the um, there, there's like a – I wouldn't be surprised. I'll say it this way, Scott. I wouldn't be surprised if the public starts to clue in on this and respond accordingly, right? There's, there's a reason that we're you know, roughly three-quarters of the way through the legislative session and Walters has not been confirmed. And there I think is most definitely <coughs> – um, the um, uh, a chance that the public is like, oh, hang on, I saw that story on Oklahoma Watch, and I don't want you to confirm him because he is bad for business. He is bad for Oklahoma. He's bad for Oklahoma schools. Counterpoint: He won election to the state superintendent's office with an overwhelming majority. I, I, yes, that's a point well taken. <laughs> right? Don't, like, don't, <laughs> don't feed into it, though. Right? I mean, th- this if you're Senator Treat, this is the calculus. You're like, man, I hate this guy. But voters liked him. Right. Now, here's another question. Voters elected him to one position. That doesn't mean the voters want him to get two paychecks. 
I mean that. I mean to me, that is the that is the direction that is that is the direction that you can that you can go after Ryan Walters because the problem is like, I mean it's like so many other things we talk about, right? Like what is what is Ryan Walters' signature like issue and slogan? We shouldn't have pornography in schools. Yeah. Well. No shit, <laughs> right? Right. Like, does I? No, no uh, one disagrees with you on that, right? Like, I, I am a, I'm a progressive. I'm in favor of like reading all the things and exposure to all the things. No, you should not have pornography in schools. Right. Like, obviously, dumbass. <laughs> but, but, but because this is what makes it. This is what makes straw man so hard. Right. Is. He says we shouldn't have pornography in schools, and you're like, right? But there, but there isn't any. And then you bring up a book that has a sex scene in it um, that is meant for like AP English students in high school, and 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 now and now all of a sudden you're dealing in nuance, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't fit nuance into 240 characters or 280 mm-hmm. characters, right? And you can't fit nuance into a headline. And honestly, it is hard to fit nuance into two columns on page 4A, mm-hmm. right? And so and so that is that's what makes this that's what makes this kind of thing so hard to combat is because it's like, oh, well if you don't support Ryan Walters, then do you think we should have porn in schools? Right. Right. It's a false equivalency. Right. Yeah. And it's yeah. like this isn't like porn in schools is not even a conversation we should be having because it's not something that's happening. It's not an actual problem or an issue. And when the legislature, um, I think Senator McBride's committee specifically has asked for examples of that they can't produce any, right. right? Like they've asked Walter's no, office for did like. You, they did asked, you hear that story where Walter's people sent McBride an email just oh, of like it of porn? Yes, but with no content, like or no <laughs> context, just like sent them a barrage of inappropriate emails of like, oh, here's some porn, and they were like, that's not what I asked for, <laughs> right? Can you imagine? Like, okay, first of all, Scott, this is a statewide elected official who is in charge of our schools and our children, and his staff is just blasting out pornographic material to the state legislature in 2023. Like, this is a banana storyline. I don't care what year it is. If you had written this in 1995 saying in, you know, in 20 whatever years from now, a state official is just going to send porn to other state officials without context. If, if, you had, if you had written in 1995, the response would have been, well, I'm sure they are because the Democrats run everything. <laughs> That's probably what the Democrats will be doing let's, by 2020. I did not have sex with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just bananas. Everything about it is ridiculous. And what's more important here, Scott, is that I worry, and I think we may have said this last week, but I worry that Walter's shenanigans is designed to distract us from what's really happening or from what's, and this sounds conspiratorial, and you know me, I'm a pragmatist and not a conspiracy theorist, but I, I see what's happening with Walter's and I see what's happening between Treat and McCall, where they're, again, sniping at each other in the press um, about, it's all about education. And at some point in the next couple of weeks, right, I expect we will see some great healing where they'll be like, you know what, we came together, we finally had some meetings, and this is a solution we can all get behind. And it won't be. I'm telling you, it won't be. It'll. They will make it sound like, oh, well, we fought so hard and we came together. Look at us, kumbaya. Two Republicans in a supermajority in both chambers aligned with a you know Republican in a statewide office who found agreement despite the odds. Right? This isn't fucking sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> 
they could have done this over like a diet coke and lunch right like they probably all started on the same page and it will be a terrible policy and it will be bad for oklahoma kids and right. parents and right. teachers and us collectively as a future right as our state right, right. it's nuts to me it is but uh we'll we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see we'll see if the legislature passes these rules that that the uh, state department of ed has asked for we'll see if uh, Ryan Walters gets confirmed um you know i mean i think the conspiracy is pretty is pretty clear um the conspiracy is Ryan Walters um i mean his his 2026 uh campaign slogan for his run for governor is going to be um uh his, his is going to be we shouldn't have porn in schools. No, no porn, Ryan. Right. Right. <laughs> we should we should brainstorm. We should put it in a Chat GPT and have Chat GPT tell us what uh, Walter's slogan should be. We should ask Chat GTP. Oh, this is genius. We should we should ask Chat GTP to to write a script to write a script for a pornographic video featuring Ryan Walters. No, nope, no, nope. I re- I refuse. <laughs> On principle, to put that into ChatGPT, I will tell you um, on an AI. We note, we should not do that. I'm I'm I am being I am being facetious. I'm, you know, there's a listener somewhere who's like, "That's a good idea. I'm gonna do that right now." Uh, you can send it to podcast at letsfixthis.org um, for some humorous entertainment. On a on an actual note about AI, I think I sent you some of these last night. But I've been it's crazy man. I've been playing with uh, Mid Journey, which is like one of the graphic. AIs, right? Where you can you put a, in a prompt, and it you say like to create something, and it is fascinating to like because you can watch it like kind of design the images, and it gives you four choices. Deep fakes, man. Yeah, but even like today, I was doing much Easter. I was like Easter Bunny as the Terminator, Easter Bunny, steampunk, like all kinds of like uh, a, a scary Easter Bunny in Wyoming with mountains in the background. Like there was just kind of random you specific come up with things. Any good ones. Yeah, some real good ones. In fact, this morning I had breakfast with my dad and my sister, and we were talking about it. And my dad's like, "Oh yeah, well you can like tell it how to like, you know, be a frog in a lake, and then you know something with Cleopatra." And so I was like, typed it in, and then voila, we had like a frog that was dressed like Cleopatra sitting on a lily pad, and it was a beautifully done image at the very high resolution that did not exist. I'm I've said this to you, Scott. I I think we're maybe two or three months away from even the smartest among us l- losing certainty over what's real and what's not on the uh, internet. I mean, I think what's going to have to happen and this is I am this is very speculative and maybe this is not the case and people who know more about computers and programming and AI than I do can can certainly correct it, but I I think we are approaching a point where you will need to use AI to determine if something is AI generated? I don't right? think you can, though. I mean, well, but I don't. I mean, I don't know. But like, can you feed it? Like, can you feed an image of the Easter Bunny smoking a cigar in the mountains of Wyoming? Like, could you feed that into an AI image recognition, and it give you a probability of this being an actual photograph or something that was fake? So you can do that with some text things, but you can run it through enough times so that it can't detect if it's AI generated, right? And this is, I mean, it's if you drew a picture of an Easter bunny and we fed it in and we ask it to tell us if Scott Melson drew that, it's not going to know any more than it's going to know if right. some system, right? Because there are an, an, an infinite number of permutations that are possible. How are you going to know if it was you or an artist in, 
you know, Pakistan or is a computer in, you know, Prince Edward Island? Nobody knows, right? Like it's, it's all fair game. And I, n- nobody cares about a frog dressed like Cleopatra. Right. Except for my friends who are very passionate about Egypt. But, um, and frogs apparently. Well, yeah, it's possible. But, um, I was at a conference this week and, um, on Tuesday when President Trump was indicted. Holy shit, that was this week. This has been a big week. The, the former president was indicted for the first time ever. I don't even, that's a way bigger conversation than we have time for. But, um, Someone put into, I think, Midjourney and did um, like photos of President Trump struggling with police. If you use the word arrested, it, it bumps and tells you you can't do it. But you can say like fighting with, it was like him in an orange jumpsuit and him like on the street struggling. And it looked remarkably like him. Like there's a few, you know, sure. glitches in there. But these, <clears throat> this technology that we have today was not even available three months ago. Yeah. And it has come so far so quickly um, that I really am curious. And I think when we think about the level of misinformation that existed during the 2020 election three years ago, it is almost impossible to imagine how much misinformation is going to be out there next year, right? Sure. And. And I am, I'm saying this not to be like a weirdo conspiracy theorist on a podcast, but for listeners, um, that we really need to get square on what a trusted source is, right? Right, right, right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's the only way to combat it, right? And like Twitter is, Twitter is not a trusted source anymore. Like, right. Not remotely. Right. And that's the, I mean, I, I, I would say maybe certain Twitter accounts are trusted sources. I mean, NPR, the state affiliated media, is that who you're referring right, to? Right. The only I one mean, in the world? I mean, I mean, BBC, you know, maybe the BBC News, the AP, like NPR, mm-hmm. like reporters that you know are who they are, right? Which gets, I mean, it has gotten harder with the change in what verification right. is. Like that right. has got, that has gotten much more difficult. But I think I agree with your general proposition that. Twitter is not what it was in terms of a source of good information. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I think you're exactly right. Um I I do though. I don't I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. I I, mean, I could be I I could be wrong. I think I, I and I I guess I'm saying this from a I guess I'm saying this from a place of hope. <laughs> that that, sounds, that, that sounds nice. That that kind of that that kind of you know misinformation deep fake like that kind of that that kind of artificial news that artificial mm-hmm. knowledge that's put out into the world it's computer generated as programmed by people mm-hmm. and so i have to believe that that same kind of technology or a permutation of it can be used to combat it, right? I don't think it's just, I don't think it is just un, uh, I don't think it's unovercomable. I don't think it is, is that, it's not a word. What's the word of, what's, what's? Insurmountable? Yes. (laughs) Why couldn't I think of that word? I don't think, I don't think it is, by definition, necessarily insurmountable. Um, but I, it will require solutions 
that are different than what we have used in the past to identify misinformation? Yeah, I think um, we as consumers need to be very judicious in in discerning in who, who we listen to and how we consume our media. But listeners, don't forget that here at Let's Pod This, this is all one hundred percent human generated content. We are a trusted source. It, it would be it wouldn't be this this bad. For, so for both of our listeners, please don't forget. You've got us to lean on. <laughs> You've got a friend in me. Yep. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> um, uh, Scott, let's go back to uh, discussing getting her Drummond. And didn't we start with him? I've got your Drummond. That doesn't. That was a good try. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think we. Um, I think we should talk about the case with Representative Terry O'Donnell because I think this is a. This is a good political conversation here, right? Can you can you remind listeners? I can uh, uh, exactly what what happened, what the charges were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if we go back in time about five years, okay, that, we need a, we need a back in time sound effect. Clearly, that's <laughs> you didn't. That wasn't as good as as I can. I don't know. That's not a back no, in time. No, that's not a back in time. That was a response to my very. Uh, Excellent reverse backmasking voice there. Now, anyway, um, I did see a comedian. Did I send you the comedian on Instagram that talked about the Russian accent sounding like someone speaking backwards? No, but please do. I'll have to go find it. It was really it made me laugh out loud. Anywho, um, so in twenty, I think it was twenty eighteen, Representative Terry O'Donnell, who at the time was like the, thir- I think the third highest ranking member of the state house. Um, Supported uh, one year, he supported a bill that would allow um, state lawmakers to be. Did you just hit the microphone? Yes. Okay. Uh, I was mostly asking for listeners' benefit so they know what that sound was. Um, so he supported a bill that would um, allow legislators to be related to someone who owns a tag agency, which is which is not in the law. At the time, you you were prohibited from being related to a tag agent, and he supported it. It didn't really go anywhere. And then the next year, he ran a bill that would allow this, and it passed. And then the very next year, his mother-in-law died and bequeathed her tag agency to Representative O'Donnell's wife. No, right. So he, I mean, he very it very clearly ran a bill that would benefit him and his wife. Right? People don't do that. Right? Like it was. Like, this wouldn't have been an issue if his mother-in-law wasn't, I think, in poor health. I don't really know her situation. But it just, I mean, it was a very, it was a straight line. That's how it happened. And uh, so, or no, not representative, former Attorney General Mike Hunter filed charges um, against Representative O'Donnell for this, for, I forget the exact legal charges. Maybe you can Google it while I'm talking. And the... They went back and forth, right? So it, it was kind of a thing um, going back and forth. Well, of course, I think we all kind of knew General Hunter was maybe eyeballing a run for governor. Speaker McCall, who was very close to Representative O'Donnell. In fact, they shared an apartment here in the city when they're in session. They, uh, Speaker McCall's also eyeing a run for governor. There was all these like political contentiousness things, right? It was a very political thing. So Representative O'Donnell said, 
this is a sham. You know, Hunter's only filing this on me because there's some political beef with me. Um, and then it, there's what, some. What was the political beef? There's a really good non-doc story that lays all of this out. And I will try to pull it up as well. Um, the, the end of the story is that Hunter had filed charges. They, um, that those charges went from the AG's office to the, so the AG convened the multi-county grand jury and they're the ones, right? So a, a grand jury of citizens from several counties heard the testimony, including from Speaker McCall. And they voted with a majority vote to to indict Representative O'Donnell. And then at some point that got dropped, um, and it passed off. So that Hunter left, Hunter resigned office due to a scandal. Um, so then John O'Connor was appointed AG, and he passed off all of that to District Attorney David Prater here in Oklahoma County. And um, uh, no, take that back. Um, Hunter asked Prater to take the case, which Prater did um, first in front of the multi-county grand jury, which is based in the AG's office. And then Hunter resigned. Prater um, said that the staff in the AG's office declined to allow him to call any additional witnesses. So Prater took it back to the just a single county district attorney and handled it there. And... Um, then Prater lost. Well, he didn't. He didn't seek re-election, um, and so the case went back to the AG's office. And uh, and then this week, Drummond said, "Okay, never mind. Like, I'm going to drop charges." But what else did he say, Scott? He said, "I think Representative O'Donnell is guilty." <coughs> Bless you. But but but. I'm not going to pursue it because this was political, but it's like, but it's a felony. No. So he said he didn't think that it rose to the level of a felony. So he was like, listen, I think you did it. I think you're wrong, but it's just a misdemeanor. And the AG has got bigger fish to fry than to prosecute one representative who has done something that probably a lot of folks have. And And I think Drummond's letter, did you happen to read his letter? I did not. Um, So it's on the non-doc story, which I will embed in the show notes. Um, Basically, his letter said, listen, I think you did wrong. And I mean, it was like a personal letter to Representative O'Donnell. um, And he basically said, um, I think you did the wrong thing, but I'm not going to prosecute you for it. So he said, this is not to say that I find you blameless or endorse your conduct. I question your judgment in authoring legislation that resulted in a benefit for your family. Your decisions contributed significantly to the consequences you have endured. However, it appears that Oklahoma Constitution, Article 5, Section 24, has not been aggressively or equally enforced, meaning other people done this shit. And we haven't prosecuted them. And it seems unfair to make you the first one. We're not going to make an example out of you. Right, exactly. The fact that you were singularly referred for prosecution guides my decision to dismiss the charges against you. In doing so, I make it clear that this law and all others will be fairly and fully enforced in the future against all members of the legislature. Um, and so, so you're getting off with a warning, but this yeah. is a warning. 
let this serve notice to everybody at 23rd and Lincoln. Don't think that because I'm letting this go for him, I will let it go right. for you. I think Drummond was trying to clean this slate and say, listen, whatever Hunter did before me is out the window, but starting today, there's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> That's probably how probably how he would say it, too. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Sheriff Gittner. Uh, and so um, so I, I am with you. I mean, you know, uh, Democratic leader Cindy Munson was like, if he committed a crime, he should be punished, which I agree with, right? Um, but I also understand, I think, I'm no lawyer, but I feel like the AG's office has limited resources. They do need to prosecute and follow up on certain things that are of significant importance. They need and, to be searching school libraries for pornography. <laughs> right. That's right. Um, and uh, the, what is that giving tree really given after <laughs> – and uh, and and I, so I think he's like, listen, I'm tired of dicking around with this. I'm gonna let it go, but you mess up again, and your ass is mine. Is that fair? I mean, I th- I think so. Yeah. I mean, this is like a parent talking to their child, which which is, I mean, I feel like Drummond is trying to position himself as like the parent in the room with the legislature. Oh, I mean, he absolutely is, right? I mean, he absolutely is. So he's had a string of, I think wins right over the last gosh i don't know six weeks almost every week there's something that that people on both sides of the aisle are like well okay i mean the number of democrats i know that are like am i starting to support a republican for governor like if he runs i may have to i mean i let's let's not get crazy but i i mean i think he's i think you're i think i think what he is trying to do is with and let's like as as you mentioned to be very clear like let's not pretend that there's no like ulterior motive here like he clearly he's a politician wants, he's a politician and he clearly wants to run for higher office however he does seem like his approach to that is to hey i'm just going to do my job and try to do it well and not act like a petulant child right like i'm going to try and do the job i'm going to try and be fair um I mean, you're, you're, I'm, I'm going to be held, held up against John O'Connor. So like I, I'm, I'm starting out, you know, I'm starting out with uh, three feet in front of the starting line here. Um, um, and, and just trying to, to do my job in a way that's professional and free of scandal and, you know, do, do it well, which largely he seems to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I haven't agreed with all of his decisions but I haven't been appalled by any, which is an improvement. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Um, yeah. So we'll see who knows. Right. Um, I will say, Scott, do you remember when we interviewed AG Hunter following the opioid epidemic? Oh, that's why he and O'Donnell got into it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, I do remember, um, he was an intimidating man. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, a little bit. I mean, plus we're in his office, so lots of books. I mean, yes, that was a, good power move there but i also think like at that time ag hunter was uh was sailing with wind in his in his uh, sails that's true that's and true. doing well and we all thought well hey he may have a good run at governor and then uh then he had a scandal you gotta gotta uh gotta keep keep everything where it goes <laughs> yeah if you uh you know listeners if you are planning to run for statewide office and you are in currently in statewide office i would encourage you to not have alleged to not allegedly have affairs with staffers at other state agencies, right? I mean, I'm just going to go out and say, 
just in general, people <laughs> keeping your pants. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> don't have affairs. Right. right. Point point of advice from your from your <laughs> pra- practical everyday advice from your let's pod this hosts. Yeah. Don't have affairs. Yeah. Uh well, yeah, that's a good that's good life advice. Keep it in your pants. Um and keep your own pants on. That's just good good life advice. All right, um Scott, let's talk about the election from this week as well. Did you vote on Tuesday? Did I vote on Tuesday? Uh so I, I told did. a story about you last week, so listeners want to know. What did you say? About the election in February where oh. I texted you and you went to the polls and voted. So at the I, last minute. So I I got there in plenty of time to vote this week realized that somehow uh i don't know where my driver's license went it had <laughs> oh, that's right it but it was not in the pocket of my wallet where it goes yeah. um and so i went home and i was like oh no and now i'm like kind of pressed for time right uh so i went home and i did what any what any good citizen does i got my uh, alternative id got my passport my voter id card would also have worked uh and i went back to my polling place and they said you're back did you find that i said no but I have here my passport, and so I shall vote, and I did. Well, good. I've, I think you're the first person I know that has voted with a passport, but I'm glad that they accepted it without any challenge. I mean, if they had tried to, I would. there would have been significant pushback from me. I, I keep uh, – I think this time – so I voted early because I was out of town on Tuesday, so I voted on Friday, and I, I think I used my driver's license. I almost always pull out my voter ID card on principle. Sure. They send me the card. I should use it when I vote, right? That's sure. the whole point of it. Yes. Um, but sometimes it gets a little wedged in the wallet. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, yeah. It's in there between my uh, medical insurance card and some other cards, and I just uh, it's paper, right? So I just use the sure. driver's license on top. It was an interesting election. Kind of came down to the wire. It was. Um, and um, did you only have the one race on your ballot? Yep. Yeah, me it. too. Uh, Pastor Patrick Scoby was uh, was in the lead until the until right at the end. Yeah, that's right. So the uh, the race for Oklahoma County Clerk was between Democrat Derek Scobie, who's a uh, pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church on the east side, and Marissa Treat, who works for GR Pro, which is a national, federal, uh, uh, and state Republican consulting firm. She used to work for Senator Langford, and she was married to pro tem Greg Treat. She won by roughly 1,500 votes. Something like that. So uh, – Fairly close still. I mean, there was about 45,000 votes cast. So she won by, I think, 4% or so. Um, but uh, I will say, so I, it was funny. I, I kind of did my numbers. I pulled all the, re, the data from precinct-level data and compared it to what happened in February. And then I read online, um, uh, an, you know, let's say an assessment from local Democratic advocate jess eddy and also from dan williams who does a bunch of political data on twitter and they we all arrived at the same conclusion independently and that conclusion was that scobie overperformed almost everywhere except in edmund and the deal was that edmund had a mayoral race two city council races and some school board races and edmund is still fairly republican i mean both all those races were nonpartisan, but they were largely Republicans running. And so turnout in Edmond was up, um, you know, and that is what put it over. So had it not been for the Edmond races, I think Scobie would have won. I think you're right. I think you're right. And man, that would have been awesome. It would, I mean, I don't think it was a, 
I don't think the outcome is consequential, like because it's a it's a fairly benign seat in many ways. But I think emotionally, it would have felt good for Democrats to have yeah. to have won this. Um, it it was um, I think a, a, an interesting, if you're an election nerd like we are, thing about the Edmond City Council races is that the primary. Um, in February, so in Edmond, city council members run in the primary for their ward, and if they win that, then they to actually get on the council, they have to be voted on at large. So, like the primary is ward only, but then the general is the entire city. Isn't that weird? That seems silly. So it's like if your ward wants you, the rest of the city has to also want you for in order for you to win. Um, so that's how that worked out. And so that's why Edmund had the mayor's race, which is already at large. And then those two council races, which also effectively were at large. Uh, and that really kind of changed things a little bit. Um, and, uh, I think, I think, um, what we see is that Oklahoma County continues to become more purple. Yeah. I mean, these are all competitive races, which is good yeah. for democracy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, um, when it comes to uh, federal elections, uh, our purpleness won't matter because of the gerrymandering. Gerrymandering. Um, well, uh, it was an eventful week. And then again, on Tuesday, we probably should just mention as we uh, begin to wrap up here that, yeah, former President Trump was indicted on 34 counts. Um of uh, various um, campaign finance violations. It, it's got, I, from what I've read and listened to on various podcasts, this is still pretty up in the air, right? I mean, it's, it's unprecedented that a former president would be indicted. That's never happened before. Um, I haven't seen a mugshot of him yet. Have you? They didn't take one. Really? Yeah, they didn't take a mugshot, um, which is funny because they didn't take a mugshot, but his campaign put out one anyway. No um, way. Yeah, <clears throat> because they're they're using it. Like he's using. Oh yeah, this. he raised like ten thousand yeah, dollars or ten he's, million dollars. He's, he's using this as a he's using this as a way. Um, you know, my persecution, whatever. I think you know. <clears throat> so I haven't. I I have not looked into the details of this, and so I'm. I don't take this as the gospel. But I think what happened is they were looking into these payments um, for Stormy Daniels for campaign finance violations. And then that like that led to the discovery of more like illegal activity by the Trump organization. I, th- I think there's 34 counts and I don't, I don't know how the Stormy Daniels case alone would account for 34 counts unless you paid her 34 times. So that's basically, yes, that's basically paid her so 34 times. I, on the, and I would just refer listeners to the 538 politics podcast from this week about that. Um, which I can also link in the show notes if you're interested. Um, and it basically each there was eleven payments, and each each payment like violated three things. So there's like three charges per payment for those eleven payments. So then here's here's my question. Well, I think let me first clarify: Trump didn't pay Stormy Daniels directly, right? Right. Michael Cohen gave her a bulk. And then they set up this arrangement that appeared to be like a retainer, like a monthly retainer that right. Trump would pay Michael Cohen. And there were 11 of those payments where they were basically reimbursing him for what what he paid Stormy Daniels. And the deal was if they just reimbursed him, 
it would be subject to taxes, right? Because it'd be like a 1099 payment um, and or a, whatever that contractor agreement is. And so they had to like, he wouldn't actually be reimbursed, right? Like if, if you paid somebody $1,000 and I paid you back $1,000, but if, I, if my payment to you is taxable, you don't get the full thousand, you got to pay taxes on that. So they like paid Cohen extra. So they, they paid him whatever he was owed plus the taxes to cover that. And so there's like, it's, it's like tax fraud, except <laughs> the fraud is that they overpaid the government. Right. So here's, here's the question. And I want to make it clear. I am not taking up for former president Trump. <laughs> What makes this different or more severe or worse than campaign finance violations that are committed all the time mm-hmm. by politicians at mm-hmm. every level of both parties? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, I mean, we've talked a lot this episode about the politics <clears throat> of some of these charges, right? Whether it's Representative O'Donnell and the bills he filed and General Hunter and all that, right? Or it's former President Trump. Like, you may not like the guy or guys, but. It is tough to say, like, are we going to apply the law equitably across the board? I mean, so that's my that's my thing is that, like, I'm not sitting here taking up for, like, President Trump for literally anything. But um, and, and I'm also not excusing illegal activity from, you know, a member of the Oklahoma State House or the president of the United States. But if we've never prosecuted a sitting or former president for a campaign finance violation before like, why are we doing it now? Politics. Right. And so um, like, is the point of this to try and get a conviction so that he's like not allowed to run for president again? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know that that would even be the case if he wasn't. I don't think, right. I don't think there's any prohibition against a convicted felon running for president. There is. There is. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, so there is. So like, is that the point? Like he can't be president if they can convict him of this, like, um, um, and it just, or is it just to like beat him down? So he's not a viable candidate. Right. But is that even going to happen? Man? I don't know. Right. And so, and so, um, I just, you know, like, is it the right thing to do to like, like enforce the law? I think most of the time it probably is, but if we've never have before that, that creates, I think, questions for a yeah. lot of people. Um, on that note, I'm gonna I'm gonna play us out on some money related music here, and uh, listeners, thanks for being with us again this week. Uh, it's always good to be with you. We look forward to seeing you, hearing from you during the week and next week. Uh, Scott, thanks for being here. Thank you, uh, listeners. Don't forget that we have some volunteer opportunities coming up later in the month. You can volunteer to do voter registration with us at the, um, oh man, my music ended. I thought it was going to be longer than that. All right. Well, on that note, we'll play the regular music. Um, we've doing voter reg at the earth day festival, earth fest at scissor tail park in Oklahoma city on April 22nd, which is earth day. Uh, we'd love to have you out there. There'll be lots of folks that you need to register to vote. We need them to vote. We need your help. And uh, beyond that, CivicsCon in June, end of session in May, lots of things coming up. Um, We are scaling up as we prepare for 2024, and folks, we need your involvement. 
Thanks so much for being here this week. Have a good weekend. And don't forget that decisions are made by those who show up. <laughs>